Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talk Podcast. This is the podcast that makes the world go round. I'm Ben. I'm the turtle. And boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you tonight. Oh, here we go. Today, morning, whenever you're listening to the podcast. What you're hearing right now is a YMCA by the Village People. Man, that song just makes you want to get up and dance. Oh, it, it does, doesn't it? Oh, man. Well, we are so excited that you guys are joining us on this fifth episode of the Talk Podcast. And we are excited about what we're talking about today. Oh, yes. It is a topic that takes a lot of discussion, that takes science. Is it fact? Is it fiction? Is it just a myth? A legend? Is it folklore? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are talking about, on this episode, under the category of Monsters and Mysteries in America, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the Sasquatch. The Bigfoot. The Bigfoot that roams the American wilderness. Yes. Unseen. Unseen. Undetected incognito that's right ladies and gentlemen we're talking about the bigfoot we're talking about sasquatch we are going to dive into the theories the sightings the hoaxes we're going to try to cover it all and as best we possibly can is it possible i want to say yes it is can we do it I believe we can. Only time will tell. But without further ado, today it's time for This Day in History. Turtle, what you got for us today? Oh, well, my friend, I've got, got some good stuff here. On the day of this recording, March 2nd, 2021, a author was born. Dr. Seuss is that author, my friend. Wow, you mean the guy who made green eggs and ham. The cat in the hat. A reality. Wow. I How love the Grinch well, stole Christmas. That well, what is one of my I think one of my favorite Dr. Seuss books is um it's probably Green Eggs and Ham. Oh yeah. I remember uh, in elementary school that our principal would come around and read us Green Eggs and Ham on Dr. Seuss's birthday. That's incredible. And then they would serve us green eggs and ham. <laughs> That's wonderful. And it was one of the most amazing things to look forward to. That is great. It really was cool. Wow, Dr. Seuss. That's incredible. Fantastic. Fantastic author. Fantastic indeed. I mean, pretty much at this point, I think everybody in elementary school at some point will at least read one Dr. Seuss book. Oh yeah, you, you 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 have to. You have to. I think I think everybody does, and it's a great thing because what a fantastic artist, fantastic cartoonist, a fantastic fun storyteller. That I mean, I still uh, went on. I've been on like a somewhat small crusade of collecting Doctor Seuss books. I have some of my favorite ones, but I would like to get them all his original ones because you yeah. know they, they still make books under like his. Uh, printing, I believe, like label, essentially, in his somewhat right. kind yeah. of style, but they're not done by him, of course. Mm -hmm. um, well, my friend, here's some, here's a few facts about Dr. Seuss since we were talking about him. Oh, yeah. Hit me with it, if Hit. you will. Well, he wrote about, I believe, 48 books. 
including some for adults, that have sold well over 200 million copies. Wow. And probably even more, honestly, if you really, I don't know if there's a way to, I don't know if there's a way to really crunch those numbers, but I guarantee you it's probably already more than that, and that, that, that will continue to rise as the years oh, go, I'm of sure, course. I'm sure there's more than that. Been translated to multiple languages. They're known, of course, for their whimsical rhymes and quirky characters. Of course, like Horton Hears a Who. Exactly. Like Horton Hears a Who. Whoville. Whoville. Cindy Lou Who. The Lorax. The Grinch. Sneeches. Cat in the Hat. Exactly. The Thing One, Thing Two. Bingo. Bingo, my friend. <laughs> Let's see here, but he actually was born, his real name, you know, Dr. Seuss is a pen name. And, um, his real name, I'm gonna. I've always butchered it. I'm gonna butcher it now. But his first name is Theodore. Theodore Gisel, or or Giz, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it's G E I S E L. My apologies to everybody. I've probably butchered that. Um, well, no, you're good. That's his. That was his real name. Doctor Seuss was his pen name because you know a lot of authors. I mean, there's a lot of people that have. Pen, I mean, the turtle's a pen name, anyways. Right. You know? Yeah, the turtle's a pen name. It's a pen name. Will we ever know who the turtle is? Probably not. Probably not. I'd, I'd rather remain a man of mystery. A man of mystery. But insert plug here. You can follow me on Instagram at TurtleTalks84. All lowercase at TurtleTalks84 if you want to see some action figure photography. TurtleTalks84 on Instagram. Yes, on Instagram. Way to go, Turtle. I follow TurtleTalks84 on Instagram. You do. Thank you, my friend. I do. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for following me back of on Instagram. Ben Warner 98 Go ahead, Turtle. Well, as we continue on here, he graduated from Dar- Dartmouth, Dar- Dar- I probably butchered that name too, college. Dartmouth, yeah. Dartmouth? I think some, uh, yeah. something like that. <laughs> I just butchered that. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. Forgive no. me. Oh, you're good. Uh, <laughs> he was editor of the school's humor magazine there. Wow. And he also studied at Oxford University, where, wow. he, where he met Helen Palmer, his first wife, and the person who encouraged him to become a professional illustrator, actually. And then back in the good old US of A, he worked as a cartoonist for a variety of magazines and advertising. Wow. Because, see, you know, there was a, another side note, you know, and I want to dive into this eventually, too. Back in the day, there was just a lot of things, you know, like you could be an illustrator or cartoonist for magazines, for newspapers, and, uh, you know, com- comics, actually, comic books were kind of like on the low totem pole of those lists, actually. They were, comics were actually the lowest paying out of all those, and they also wasn't as respected at the time uh, as an art form as like doing a newspaper wow. strip <laughs> as a newspaper strip or a, a magazine work actually by the way really um but of course for you know for decades and decades decades everything used to be strictly strictly print media and print entertainment wow <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm it, sorry, I'm sorry, Turtle. I uh, had to throw Owen Wilson in there yes, because uh, he does the best wow out of every you know. every actor. Wow, 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 wow. Hey, wow. we'll we'll just play it. Ready? Oh, hang on, hang on. He's muted. Hang on. <laughs> hey, give me a second, everybody. Don't worry, folks. Okay, here he goes. Owen Wilson says, "Wow, wow, <laughs> wow." <laughs> Wow. Oh, another... Wow. 
Okay, all right. I'll well, stop. I'll, say, I'll stop. I'll oh, stop. I'll stop. On another, not to get down rabbit holes, but another quick side tangent. Have you seen? Everybody, do yourself a favor. Find the video of the duel of Anakin and Count Dooku from Revenge of Sith. Oh but every yeah. Time, but every time the lightsaber hits, you hear Owen <laughs> Wilson go, "Wow." <laughs> It's, I remember that. It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. Honestly. You know, it is re- a really good YouTube video. It is. Um, we, I tell you what, Turtle, I will make it a point. I will post, because because there is, we're talking about Sasquatch today. You know, there's a lot of uh, documentaries. There's a lot of videos. There's a lot of audio recordings. Yes. And so I think what I will do is to our Facebook page, The Talk Podcast, I will post links uh, to YouTube so you can go and view these videos and documentaries for yourself. So I will post the video of Owen Wilson saying wow every time something strikes a lightsaber in the first of many lightsaber combat battles in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, between Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Count Dooku. That's a genius idea. Thank you. I thought so too. Uh, it, it, it's almost too genius. Uh, it just deserves a good wow factor. <laughs> uh, so, go ahead, Turtle. Go ahead. As we continue with Dr. Seuss being born on this day, March 2nd. <clears throat> Let's see here. His first children's book he wrote and illustrated was called And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street. Ah, I have heard of that book. I have not read that book. But I have heard good things about that book. I know I have too. I want to own and read a copy of that for sure. As I, one of my life goals is to own a copy of every book that he has done, or at least every children's book for sure. At first that he has done. Um, and uh, listen to this, by the way, it was rejected by over two dozen publishers. Golly! Before well, making it into print in 1937. Well, you know, it's just like Star Wars. Star Wars was rejected by uh, a yep. lot of theaters and a lot of, uh, a lot of studios. Movie, yeah, a lot of studios. And 20th Century Fox picked it up and yep. uh, made it a smash hit. It's kind of cr- incredible. We can do um, a podcast just about uh, you know incredible stories like that because yeah, you know, just like the the two guys that made create Superman, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. You know, two uh, young, you know. Uh, two young guys that were two young Jewish gentlemen yeah that were from Cleveland Ohio from my yeah. understanding uh they actually created the idea of Superman in 1934 wow but he didn't see print or publication until 1938 in action comics number one interesting and I believe one of them was 18 and one of them was only 19 when they created Superman actually by the way 19 years old yeah one of them was 18 one was 19 oh, man. I'm pretty sure if only I knew I could do that at 19 years old. Well, it's just incredible because I mean, not only did they create an I one of the most iconic characters in American and in American pop culture and folklore, he's he's become one of the most iconic characters of fiction of the whole world. Worldwide. Worldwide, you know. Yeah. Everybody everybody can see that yellow and red S and knew exactly who it is. A symbol of hope. Symbol of hope. The Superman. Um, but it goes to show you that sometimes you just got to keep trying and trying and trying until finally you can strike that one right opportunity at the right time, that one moment can change everything. There you go. Uh, by the way, too, 
Dr. Seuss is, was born, I can't believe I got to mention this, but he was born in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1904. Wow. That's when he was born. Interesting. Um, let's see. His uh, his first bestseller, his first bestseller was The Cat in Hat, which, which was published in 1957. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Good book. Recommend it for the kids out there. The movie, uh, the live action movie, is a little creepy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I say I, I was not fond of. The I've never live seen it actually. Hat movie, it's creepy. <laughs> Uh, I will pull up a picture of the cat in the hat. Who pl- who played the cat? Was that who I think it was? Uh, who do you think it was? Was it Jim Carrey? You know what? I want to say you are right. I think it was that played it. Uh, 2003 film, actually. Wow, it's been out for a while now. Wow, wow, wow. Well, uh, no, Mike Myers played the cat oh, in my. the hat. <laughs> Mike Myers? That's, Mike Myers. That's a say. That's the same guy that played Dagum. What movie was it? Uh, Austin Powers, I'm pretty sure. Oh, could be. Let's see here. Oh, he's yep, a Canadian. It, it is he's him. A Canadian actors. Yeah, yeah. Austin he, Powers. Yeah. He can be hilarious. He played Austin Powers and he played Doctor Evil. Yeah. You know, I'm not really a fan of those movies, but I know that I, I recognize that he was in that. I never knew he played the cat in Cat in the Hat. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's the there's the picture of the uh, the cat in the hat from the movie. He all, Mike Myers also uh, voiced Shrek. Oh yeah, he did do Shrek, didn't he? <laughs> Somebody once <laughs> told me <laughs> the world was gonna run. <laughs> but there it goes. I think Sorry, that band folks. was that band was called what Smash Mouth. Something like that. I think that. so. It was a one-hit wonder. It was. I believe. Somebody yeah. wants yeah. to. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. What else you got, Turtle? Well, to end off about Dr. Seuss here, um, I just want to go on about him a little bit longer, of course, because... That's fine. Go for the, it. And we could do a podcast just about about him and talk or about, car, you know, children's book authors probably our favorites one day. Um, you know, thank you, Dr. Seuss, for... Given us just this this imaginative world you created for us, for kids, for all ages to enjoy, to imagine, to learn how to read as we're as we're you know as we're young children learning how to read. Um, but unfortunately, Mr. Uh, Doctor Seuss he passed away September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, at the age of eighty seven. Oh wow! Well, eighty seven though that's a good that's a good you know that's a good lifespan. That's a good lifestyle. I mean, he was born uh, in nineteen oh four. You know, so he. Lived through a lot of things and a lot, a lot of different, a lot of different uh, decades, decades by all means, and a lot of different uh, big changes in America and the world. And uh, you know, what's cr- incredible is that he is still a household name. Yeah. You know, over twenty, well, twenty plus years after he's passed away now, probably mm-hmm. almost thirty years, if, really, if you do the math. Yeah. Um, he's still a household name. He's still selling books. Even though he's passed on, his legacy continues as he continues to inspire us all to imagine and to read, my friend. There you go. Well, also, the great state of Texas. The Lone Star State. The Lone Star State. The state that gave us one man. Big cowboy hats and state fairs. Well, that, the Alamo. Texas Pete. But there's one man actually I want to mention. Oh, what is who is that man? This man, you know, some say this man is a myth. 
Ooh. Some say he's just a legend and, and told in folk t- uh, folk tales across the camp- campfires. You all know? right, all right. I like where you're going with this. Uh, Continue. I've actually met this man. Oh, you have you now? He's real. Really? He's real. Oh, boy. This man, he once killed a Terminator with one bullet, but he had no gun. Oh, boy. Man, this, this is getting serious. Who is, is this guy? This man is a man named John Thies. John Thies. The John Thies. The John Thies. Man, he, such a great guy. He is. Fantastic guy. Fantastic friend. Good hair, too. And a great hair. <laughs> His great hair. Amazing hair. Amazing. Man, I wish my hair could grow like that. John Thies actually has used <laughs> Thor's hammer. What? He's oh, picked okay. it up, struck down his enemies before him. Oh, wow. Freed villages from oppression. Oh, gosh. He is the man, the myth, the legend. I know him as a man, though, as a real-life person, John Thies. Wow, yeah, this is somebody that sounds like you don't want to mess with. Exactly. Don't mess with him. Don't mess with Texas, okay? Don't mess with Texas. You heard it right here, folks, on the Talk Podcast. First, you do not mess with Texas. Exactly. Well, the great state of Texas declares its independence on March 2nd, the day of this recording of this podcast. Texas is independent. Wow. And they, you know, Texas wanted to become their own country. Exactly. At one point, but they settled for statehood. Right. Yeah, no. Of course. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Of course, uh, David Crockett, uh, real life historical figure, American uh, folk hero from, Made, yeah. from the state of Tennessee, you know, our home state of Tennessee. That's it. And actually, our home city. Uh, of Lawrenceburg made himself. This was his home for a little while. It if was. I believe it right. His office sits right off of the square. Yes. Of downtown Lawrenceburg. And we even have a state park named after him. David Crockett State Park. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful place. Oh, man. So beautiful. Fantastic place. Check it out sometime, folks. Go ahead, Turtle. Well, you know, we could probably talk about just the life of David Crockett and the Alamo in, in its own podcast. But I just wanted to mention that, of course. Texas Independent. Let's see here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there is a Western movie about the Alamo. I think there's been multiple ones probably done. Probably. and But this one, I believe, has John Wayne in it. Mm-hmm. I believe. And I think he actually played Davy Crockett. Really? I don't know. I'm going to huh. I'm gonna do some research here yeah. really quickly. I know that, you know, on another side tangent, Davy Crockett got big in, like, pop culture because in the 50s, Disney actually uh, put out a live-action yep. David Crockett film, anyways. They did, and there was actually a song about David Crockett. There is. They? I don't know who directed that film, but I know that it was, you know, it was done, you know, done through Disney, like you know, the studio of Disney, Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's called The Alamo. It, the Alamo is a 1960 American epic historical war film about the 1836 Battle of the Alamo, produced and directed by John Wayne, starring Wayne as Davy Crockett. I remember watching. I have watched this western a few times with my uh, with my grandfather. Okay. And uh, actually, there is the picture of John Wayne. Yeah, uh, he was David, David Crockett. Crockett. He was, and you know because John Wayne never died in his movies. Right. There were you're, only yeah. a certain few movies. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Uh, that John Wayne did die in. 
the Alamo was one because, of course, it is based on a true story um, about the Alamo. And yes. I will get those other movies up right now as uh, I am looking up John Wayne. Oh, of course. Uh, the movies that John Wayne died in in hell. Uh, let's see. He died in The Deceiver. Well, I'm going to look for Westerns. Uh, let's see. Oh, he did, he's, done, he did, he's known for Westerns and did a lot yep. of Westerns, but he did a lot of other films, too. Uh, let's see. He died in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That's a great one. Uh, let's see here. Where's another one? Uh, Hangman's House. That's in 28. So, I know he died. Uh, one of his last ones that he made when he got older, I believe it was the uh, the Sons of Katie Elder. Well, there's one called the Sons um, of Iwo Jima. Okay, he he died in that one. He died in the Alamo. Which we, the Cowboys. He died in the Cowboys. I think one of the last films. Oh yeah, there it is. That was actually one of the last films I think he did. The Shootist from 1976. Because mm. he was older at that point, and eventually I think few years later pass away there you go but in the movie the shooters actually which i want to see never seen the shooters i believe he gets his character gets cancer ah and see then, i haven't seen the shooters my grandfather is a big western uh person he loves westerns so i'm pretty sure that um he has probably watched um all of the uh the westerns and he's a big john wayne fan you're, oh yes. So I okay. I thought he died in the Sons of Katie Elder, but I can't remember. I don't think he did. Okay. Uh, but uh, the Cowboys, very emotional movie. Is it? I, I hadn't seen uh, that one. It's it's good. He um, he takes these younger cowboys under his uh, under his wing, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, and uh, teaches them to become men in a sense. And uh, the outlaws that are terrorizing them on a cattle drive end up actually killing John Wayne. Oh, I think I have seen some of that one because they're a bunch of young... bunch of younger guys. Yeah, a bunch of younger guys. I think yeah. I've seen part of that one. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, it's yes. a good movie. Tearjerker. Tearjerker. But, uh, it's a good movie. And, and John Wayne is one of my favorite actors, I'd have to say. Like, I like John Wayne. Oh, he's great. Go ahead, Turtle. Uh, let's see here. Well... That's that's the big two for that we pick for March second, the day of this recording. March fourth, which is thir- a Thursday, which is the day this podcast will come out and be published on the air for everybody to listen to. March fourth, nineteen thirty three. March uh, March. 4th, <clears throat> excuse me, old chap. But March fourth, nineteen thirty three, President Franklin Roosevelt is inaugurated as president, as the thirty second president, actually to be exact. There you go. Which, of course, he would bring in, like, the New Deal and um, different things. Because, you know, it's, it's right at the height of the Great Depression at that point. Mm-hmm. And he'd be the president uh, at the beginning of World War II. Of course, he would pass away before the war would end. Right. Um, and, and I think, too, uh, you know, because when George Washington became president of the United States, he, um, he had a tradition where when his, after two terms, he would step down as president. Right. And so every president after that followed suit. The tradition continued all the way up to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And FDR did not step down after his second term because the United States entered World War II. Right. And he did not want to leave the United States without a president or electing a new president during wartime. Correct. So after FDR passes away, an amendment to the Constitution is made limiting a president to two four-year terms, eight years total. Right. 
There you go. Well, it makes sense that that you know, it is a good thing that, that they did that that way. Not one person is just has too much power. Exactly, has too yep. much power. You know, and that's that's a great a great amazing thing that they did that. Um, people have also debated about, and we could dive into this into like a, one of our history podcast. Uh, people have debated about whether, you know, was it Roosevelt's New Deal stuff that brought us out of the depression? Was it World War Two that brought us out of the depression? It's probably a combination of both. Yeah, that's a that's a big topic. You know, that's a big topic. Bunch of like different uh, statistics and facts and debated about. Yeah. You know, all we know for sure though is that the Great Depression ended <laughs> ended for sure. Yeah. You know, but um, March fourth, nineteen thirty three, thirty second president FDR is inaugurated, my friend, and also on March fourth, in seventeen eighty nine. The U.S. government begins the U.S. Constitution. Government under the U.S. Constitution begins, my friend. Wow. The first session of the U.S. Congress is held in New York City as the U.S. Constitution takes effect. Interesting. The Constitution, the document to protect the free people of this great nation. There you go. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Turtle. Oh, that's uh, that's all we have for this day in history. Um, we can go. I'm gonna I'm gonna save details about 1789 right there and government under the government under the U.S. Constitution begins because we that could be a few podcasts honestly right there talking about the Constitution, the formation of the Constitution, and all the details and historical facts and and great historical stories behind the beginning a a fledgling government that that's now a free newly freed nation on its own as it begins to form to protect our freedoms for decades to come there you go well turtle thank you for this day in history and i have got the word of the day word of the day the word of the day for march 2nd which this podcast being recorded on is organoleptic hmm is the word of the day organoleptic the definition of organoleptic is being affecting or relating to qualities such as taste, color, odor, and feel of a substance such as a food or drug that stimulate the sense organs or involving use of the sense organs. So I guess it's anything that affects your sense organs. Huh. Very interesting word of the day. Being a, hmm, that is very interesting. And I would also go into the origin of that word, uh, but I see some French words and some Greek words <laughs> that I will not be able to pronounce, so I will uh. save everyone the hassle and just say that the word of the day today is organoleptic. Hmm. Wow. That's just an incredible word that, you know, there's, there's so many words out there that you just don't hear. I don't yeah. really know about until you just start researching. And yeah. just, what an incredible... Well, thank you, Benton. You're welcome. What a- and actually, really quickly, doing show prep for the podcast, I was looking at... It was about 11.30 last night, and I was looking at the word of the day yes. for yesterday. Yesterday's word of the day was Gazette. Gazette. Yep. Huh. Like a newspaper, you know? Yeah, Gazette. Yep, that's what it was. So incredible. Was like, 
because I was like, oh, wow, yeah, uh, March 2nd is going to be the Gazette. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, it's still March 1st. So I had to get this word of the day tomorrow, this morning. But Incredible. Organoleptic, word you of the day. Know, I want to say this right here about it, though. This You have it down here. Um, English speakers got an early taste of organoleptic in an 1852 translation of a French chemistry te- uh, textbook. Man, I loved chemistry. Chemistry was so Chemistry very, is very, very interesting. Fun. It's very fun, actually, to really learn about that yeah chemistry is fun i still have my old chemistry textbook that i took from my college chemistry course yes i enjoyed chemistry very much but not enough to major in it (laughs) i will will stick with mechatronics engineering ah good choice my friend thank you thank you thank you well i got we got one more thing before we can dive into our main topic all right hit hit us well my friend hit it turtle some pop culture news bum, 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 bum. of course one movie a long movie to be exact is it going to be it's estimated to be about four hours and two minutes it's going to be on HBO Max March 18th it's oh going boy it's going to come out in four one hour parts four, four one hour parts chapters four chapters with each chapter having a name of its own. What could this movie be? This movie's been building for a few years. It's had a cult following of amazing, wonderful, passionate fans. The Snyder Cut, as you might call it, are officially Zack Snyder's Justice League. Praise the Lord. Exactly. Most of you uh, out there know that Justice League is a film that came out in 2017 in theaters. That's about a little over two hours, probably. Well, folks, um, from my understanding, Zack Snyder, which directed Man of Steel, which directed Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, he also was directing Justice League until he had a, tra- a very personal tragedy of his daughter passing, actually, during oh, wow. the making of Justice League. Um, it's very, un- very, very sad story, very unfortunate. That is very, very and, unfortunate. And uh, because of losing it, of his daughter and how she passed away, and I, I just want to just leave it there that way, you know, um, he stopped, you know, working on the film. And they brought in Josh Whedon, uh, which I won't get into about Josh Whedon because there's a bunch of things going on about him by all means – uh, that I won't get into, but you know, Josh Whedon directed the first Avengers, the second Avengers, Age of Ultron, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a bunch of things in pop culture. He did write a really good uh, comic book uh, story, uh, story arc or story uh, series uh, called Astonishing X Men back in two thousand mid two thousands, anyways, which is which is really good. Interesting. But he they brought him in to finish up Justice League and from my understanding, but essentially he pretty much reshot most of the movie. And actually, from my understanding, you know, everybody out there listening, you can fact check me. Do it. Go check it. Check the fact. I always want everybody to check the facts for yourself. You know, that's but right. Check it for yourself. From my understanding, only ten percent of Snyder's film that he worked on and directed actually made it into the theatrical cut of Justice League in twenty seventeen. Only ten percent. Interesting. So it it basically, long story short, from what I can find and information tells us, is that pretty much the film we saw in theaters, which came out on Blu-ray, is a just a totally different film than what Zack Snyder was working on. So since that happened, I don't know who exactly, but a group of fans 
came together and said, you know, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And that group just began to grow mm-hmm. into such an enormous, like, tidal wave of a movement. See, see, folks, when people can come together for a common cause, it can be a beautiful thing, actually. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Well, they, they became so big, they actually started a charity, charity foundation under, like, for, because I, I believe that Zack Snyder's daughter took her own life, I believe. I'll just go ahead and oh. say it. And so they, the, the fans of for the Snyder Cut came up with a foundation, actually. They started taking in money. I think it's a foundation now, but I think initially they started taking in money for a charity yeah. to help, like, suicide prevention, prevention actually. Okay. And so cool. they started raising money for that. That's as awesome. they were As they were trying to get, you know, uh, promote, release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. And it got so big that even in 2019, you know, before COVID, you know, everything, there were still conventions going on, comic book conventions. Right. 2019 at San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con, there actually was big posters saying hashtag Snyder Cut all, all through the, like, around the conventions and, and at the conventions, actually. That's how big this got. Interesting. And Zack Snyder, I believe, is, himself has said that because of the storm of fans is what helped convince the Warner Brothers executives to and people at HBO Max to get make this thing happen. And in 2020... When I believe Zack Snyder was having like a, a video call Zoom session with Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill of course plays Superman in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman in Justice League, and I, th- I think he's a great choice, did a great job. They were uh, actually rewatching Man of Steel, I believe, with a bunch of fans like streaming it, so fans were watching like a live stream of Zack Snyder in like a video call Zoom call with Henry Cavill watching rewatching Man of Steel talking about Man of Steel and then somebody finally asked asked him because they were taking questions I think afterwards you know Zach when is the Snyder Cut going to be released and he said to Henry should we tell them and boom it was announced and it officially got announced too that 2021 HBO Max Snyder Cut will be released there so March 18th folks if you get HBO Max or if you just get it just to watch it just somehow watch it because it's got me pumped up excited it's going to be four hours two minutes there you go and that actually was his original intentions actually back in back when he was working on it initially he is from my understanding thanks to IGN interviewing him and I read the interview I hadn't watched the whole watched the whole interview is that he initially cut down the film to be four hours and two minutes and there's two hours of footage we've never seen before two hours of footage we've never seen before it's incredible. I'm I'm super excited about it. I think it's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be great. That so that's happening. And then of course, my man, my one of my personal favorite creative creative heroes, Dave Filoni. I just want to say thank you, Dave, because the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. The boys are back in town, folks. They're back. The, on May the 4th. Better than ever. May the 4th. Be with you. On Disney+, Plus. despite all the craziness going on with Star Wars Disney+, Plus right now, on the bright side, The Bad Batch will begin streaming on Disney+, Plus on May the 4th. That's incredible. It'll be in the same style as Clone Wars, same animation style. All right. Of course, D. Bradley Baker, voicing the clones, of course, will be voicing all the clone characters and the Bad Batch, of course. All right. It's pretty much going to continue some Clone War stories, but from what it seems, I'm pretty sure it will be after Revenge of the Sith, the film, right after that's happened, right after Order 66 has happened, is when we're going to be looking at our time frame here, folks. And so I hope that 
you know, when Clone Wars Season 7 happened, and they got our beautiful poetic ending to Clone Wars, and the Bad Batch story arc, the very first story arc, it could, I could just tell the way, they, I think the way the little things were, were hinting at in, the, in those episodes, first four episodes, I saw little seeds being planted. I said, they're going to, they got, they got to do more, they got to do more. And of course, they announced they're getting on series. There's a, there's a trailer out now, of course, too. And now, finally, get, they gave, finally gave us a release date. I'm super pumped. I love the clones. I love Clone Wars, especially. I love those era, that era of storytelling of Star Wars. And I, lo- I love these characters very much. I've become a very fan of the clones, of course. I love always love the clones. A big fan of the Bad Batch, of course. I'm super excited. I think what will happen is that these guys didn't have the chips in their in their minds. They didn't follow through with Order 66. So now the, the rest of their regular clone brothers are going to be coming after them because the Empire's established. Palpatine is the Emperor now, and the Empire's established. So we'll get into that in its own segment, its own podcast for sure, folks. So don't worry. We're going to talk about it in depth. There you go. And then one last quick thing right here, folks, before we dive into our main amazing topic of Bigfoot Sasquatch is, is that one of the best just announced too, one of the best Superman runs in history, in comic book history, is, is going to get a omnibus hardcover format printing, which folks, an omnibus in the world of comics is a big, giant, hardcover, thick book that you probably could take and just beat the living crap out of somebody if you wanted, if oh, wow. you needed to. That sounds ter- that it, sounds terrifying. Well, I'm just saying that if needed be, not only does it bring you heartwarming entertainment, it can be used as a self-defense weapon. <laughs> Interesting. Well, wait, I'm just saying it's big. It's it's thick. It's big. It's heavy because it usually collects about 40 comics. It's this omnibus. This particular omnibus is going to be over a thousand pages long. Oh wow! About 1,128 pages is we collect in this book. But it's pretty much all of Superman Rebirth by Peter J. Tomasi, mostly drawn by Patrick Gleason. Peter J. Tomasi, one of the best comic book writers in the industry. Patrick Gleason, one of the best comic book artists in the industry, in my opinion. But they're one of the mo- one of the biggest, just most epic, very loving, touching Superman-like just runs on the on the character ever done, in my opinion. Getting a one big collection hardcover format. It's definitely on my wish list, folks, because I want definitely want to get a copy because it's one of the best. I love Superman. I love superheroes. I love Superman as one of my favorite characters. But it's one of the best runs ever done. Go check it out. It's on Amazon. If you have a local comic book shop, go there. Buy it there. If you can, comes out on May on in May on Amazon. Get it, folks. And that's pop culture news coming at you. Thank you so much, Turtle, for that pop culture news. Very interesting new segment. I believe moving forward. From moving the talk forward. Podcast. New segment. So, ladies and gentlemen. It's time. Oh, here we go. That we discuss what some believe is fact, what some believe is faked, what some believe is real beyond a doubt, what some believe is a big hoax, what some believe is a government cover up. We are talking about Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready, buckle your seatbelts, because we're going to jump right into this thing. So, a little bit of background on Sasquatch. It's most commonly spotted in the Pacific Northwest. Usually, uh, people who uh, 
see this this bipedal ape looking creature they they say it's larger than the normal man it's completely covered in dark brown and reddish hair uh let's see but the scientific community still will remain skeptical because yes. there's little bit of evidence Just to support the conclusion that bigfoot does in fact indeed exist it's very interesting. It is. Well, you know, my personal theory about it. All right, hit me with it. I think, yes, it's, it is plausible. It is possible. Because before the 19th century, when stories about the mysterious ape man began circulating in the American West, most Native American tribes already had their own legends surrounding a creature that was like Bigfoot, like a Sasquatch. They did. So why would they? Ha- why would multiple different tribes of different Native American peoples already have a legend about something a similar like creature? Right. They we, had to be seeing something. Right. Well, you know, the, if there's anybody that knows, um, what was here before the Europeans and you know came uh, to to the Americas, it's it's the Native Americans. It is. It's that culture. It's that group of people. Um, you know, they they believe that. And if there's there's numerous, 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 numerous amounts of accounts. There is. From a Native American tribes across the country. Correct. Um, so, I mean, if they saw it, then it's out there. Because the, Amer- the Native Americans know... What lurks in the wilderness? Exactly. They had to be seeing something. So I th- I think, personally, as we dive deeper into this, I'll just say this is that it's plausible that an ape-like creature could, be, could have been living here in North America. But as as Europeans settled the East Coast, as you know, the Revolutionary, Revolutionary War happened, America was formed, and yeah. then at, you know, America kept pushing further out west. You know, kept settling further out west. That, you know, as more of the like uh, the uh, of America was explored, more things were, you know, more lands were discovered, more people settled the Midwest and the West and the West Coast. What if an ape-like creature did live through here prominently and lived in the forest, but remained usually hidden and undetected from most even Native American people, maybe, and but they just yeah. they they knew it existed and saw it. But of course, as more and more people, you know, farmed and cultivated and you know manipulated the land to what they wanted it to do, more land, uh, more forest was cleared uh, to you know for homes and homesteads and like for pastures of of livestock and things was happening. You know, as as more places are not, which by the way, there's still a lot of places in in the wilderness in America that's just left to wilderness. By the way, of course, right. But I think is that as People expanded west. I what if this population of an ape black creature began to move further up north? It's very possible. Well, At, as they move further north into Canada and Alaska and the and places like of that nature, where there's le, you know still today less and less people living there. That's why we really can't find them or see them because maybe their their population has decreased so small now. Yeah. That's just sort of a theory I have, anyway. There you go. Well, actually, I have a, a graphic uh, pulled up here on the monitor. Um, this is from 
Well, I, we'll dive into him just a little while later. Yes. Uh, it, this is from a documentary done by Todd Standing. Um, and he, he's got, he has a graphic. I'm just going to try to give you the best visualized picture I can uh, for those of you who are not in the Outer Rim Studios. There is a map of the North American continent. Uh, and let's see. It's basically all of Canada and some half of Alaska it dips down into northern California, down through Tornado Alley into the north panhandle of Texas. Uh, then it goes up around the Michigan and the Great Lakes. Then it dips down into West Virginia, and it goes back up into Canada. So there's this whole graphic here. So this is larger than the entire continental United States. So say there are 15,000 Sasquatch. He makes this point in his documentary that I'll mention later. He says, imagine there's 15,000 Sasquatch uh, in that, occupying that area. That's 80% um, of that area. Now say, just say, out of that 80%, 15 million humans take up 20% of that area. A, a population of Sasquatch at 15,000 basically go unnoticed undetected because they are masters of the wilderness because yes. if humans occupy 20% of that landmass the sasquatch 15,000 sasquatch up occupy 80% of that if the humans move and do everyday life in the 20% of that landmass they'll never be discovered then exactly they'll be completely hidden always right and you know Les Stroud said it survivor man Les Stroud he said he had a good point when he said until we get bigfoot and put him on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. We'll never know what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. Exactly. We'll never understand that behavior. Right. But they are classified as a cryptid. Right. And a cryptid uh, is an animal such as Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. The cryptid branches off of crypto cryptozoology, uh, which is a pseudoscience and a subculture that aims to prove the existence of entities from the folklore record, such as Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, and the Makale Membe. Hmm. If I said that last word right. I think you did. I hope pretty so. Pretty close. Sounds I good to me. So. I hope so. I hope so. So, you know, what is... So, you know, now, it's big, Sasquatch is not just reported... Uh, here in the States or even in Canada, there are record accounts of the of Sasquatch and family members of cousins, as I guess what you could say, okay. of the North American Bigfoot around the world. Right. All right. We'll travel to the country of Nepal. Of Nepal. And we'll visit the world-renowned Yeti. Oh, here we are in the snowy mountains in, the, or, in Nepal. That's it. Or, you know, known as the abominable snowman. The right. Yeti is said to live in the forest below the Himalayan mountains, a snow line. Though its tracks are occasionally found in the snow, it is said to be muscular, covered with dark grayish or reddish-brown hair, and weigh between 200 to 400 pounds, or 90 to 180 kilograms. The Yeti is relatively short compared with the Bigfoot, averaging about 6 feet, 1.8 meters in height. And Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to scale Everest, found no evidence of the creature. But mountaineer Rain Renan Messer, who spent months in the Nepal and Tibet researching the Yeti, found that large native bears were mistaken for Yeti sites. In tracks, 
Uh, let's see. And it made the Yeti was made made news in 2007 when Josh Gates, host of the TV series Destination Truth, claimed that he found large, mysterious footprints that might be from the Yeti. Despite extensive media publicity, uh, nothing more was learned about the tracks, and they're now on display at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Disney World of all places. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, where else, right? Um, I'm telling you, the mouse owns everything. But you know, actually, there is a uh, there's a Buddhist temple, I believe, in Nepal that mm-hmm. actually houses a a Yeti skull. I think uh, I've heard of that will. before. Yes. Yeah, it's up there. It was actually on an episode of Finding Bigfoot. Now, Finding Bigfoot's not the the best. You know, I got right, Bigfoot right, docu- yeah. you know, documentary, uh, docu series out there, but it it's still a good docu series. Um, and now I want to travel to Australia, Ooh. where we visit the Yowie. The Yowie. See, I never heard of this one. The actually. Wild Man from Down Under, uh, reportedly stands anywhere from five to eleven feet, so you know, about the same size as the American Sasquatch. Yellow and red eyes. He's black and gray. And according to George Eberhardt's Encyclopedia Mysterious Creatures, the Yowie comes from the ab- Aboriginal word Yui, which means dream spirit. See, and like the Aboriginal people, of course, are on the native the native people of Australia. Yeah, you know, and yet again, you have like a native a native people. group that have lived there for you know centuries. Yeah. Right before any Europeans ever came there, and they have seen something. You know, it can't be just coincidence. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. These people have seen something, and of course, it's it might have gotten mixed into legend. Right. But remember, I always like to I always like to say that there is some truth in legends. There you go. There is some truth there. You know, so, somebody had to see something to begin with to spark. What would become the legend, you know? Right. Something right. real had to be there, tangible, had to be real to spark the legend, in my opinion. Right. I agree. And we will drop off with the cousin of the Bigfoot. Indonesia's Orang Pendek. Uh, the, or, you know, they're, they're little people. They're kind of, they're smaller people. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend of mine, my cousin Brax, he has a friend, uh, uh, Brax is actually uh, coming home from Indonesia this week. Right. He has been living over there, and his friend, who has grown up there all of his life, Dean, Dean. Uh, tells stories about the Orang Pendek from the island of Sumatra. Uh, Orang Pendek, in their language, means little man. He seems to have a large pot belly, maybe dark gray, dark black, yellow, or tan in color. And it said they have a very long head of hair and stand anywhere from two and a half to five feet tall. One of the first alleged sightings of the Orang Pendek occurred in 1923 when a Dutch settler in Sumatra saw one in a tree. Though he was armed, he refused to shoot it because hmm. it resembled a human. And actually, I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, the Cannibal in the Jungle is a movie made by Animal Planet. You know, you know. Do you remember when Animal Planet did Monster Week? Yeah, I, I think I don't really watch that, but I can vaguely remember. Yeah, and it was um, it was different, you know, things all through the week. Different cryptid like creatures throughout the week. Right, yeah. And it ended the week with a Animal Planet original movie. Hmm. And so the cannibal in the jungle is actually based off of the Orang Pendek. Really? Legends of the Orang Pendek uh in Animal Planet. You wanna talk about 
Uh, this movie came out, I believe, in uh, 2015. You want to talk about a kid scared out of his mind yeah. from watching. The, it gives me chills just talking about it. The Cannibal in the Jungle is one of the most creepiest movies I've ever seen. And I've seen Pet Cemetery. I, well, I believe you, Bob. Means, oh, my gosh. Um, we can watch it one time, if you will. Man, I just got a lot of chills there. Uh, bringing back memories from yeah. when I was younger. But we, The we Cannibal... Could, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so we yeah. could try to sometime. <laughs> you can, you can, you're not, I don't know, we might, we'll have to dive in. We'll have yeah. to dive in to see. Well, see. And like, basi- basically, the whole um, the whole thing about the uh, the cannibal in the jungle is there is a team uh, that is, uh, it's, I think it's got three or four people. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an American. And they go into the jungles in Flores, Indonesia, and all of a sudden, they are attacked by these little pig, these little small people, the little people, the orang pandeks. Right. And they end up killing everybody. Oh my! Except gosh. one guy, and they actually he is framed, uh, and can and uh, and they would kill him. They would kill the uh, person, and they actually buried one of the guys uh, that the orang pandek killed. And they came back, and the orang pandek was taking the rocks off of the body and eating. The person, um, yeah, yeah, and so they oh accused gosh. they accused the guy that survived this. Uh, they accused him of being a cannibal, and so you know, if you're fourteen or thirteen years old, That's however old was right. it? Well, let's see, twenty fifteen uh, would have been uh, well, probably my te- my teenage years. I'm not going to do math in my head uh, right that's now. That's okay. But so, I mean, it scares you out of your mind. So this is like a. Uh, this is still like a, a fictional film based on the legend. Based on the legend of the Orang Pandek. Yeah. Gotcha. And, uh, that sounds pretty terrifying, though. It is. It's very terrifying. After the podcast, I'll, I'll pull up a trailer. Gotcha. And we can put that on our link to YouTube. Uh, <laughs> that sounds good Facebook. to me. But uh, we'll have to get Dean on the podcast one day and let him actually tell us about the Orang Pandek. That'd be incredible, really. That would be cool. That really would be cool. Well, Turtle, I hope you don't mind. I want to jump gears here to go ahead, go ahead. talk about documentaries and things. We mentioned uh, Todd Standing yes. earlier. Uh, and one of the creepiest Bigfoot documentaries I've ever watched in my life. He has a documentary on YouTube. And if you, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I believe that Bigfoot exists. Um, do I know everything about the Bigfoot? No. Do I know everything about Sasquatch? No. Or uh, Gigantopithecus is their scientific name. Do I know? Do I know everything about that? No, no. I'm still researching. Right. I'm wanting to read some books uh, here, here soon right. and learn about uh, the Bigfoot um, and Sasquatch and some things that people have already discovered. But right. Todd Standing um, does a phenomenal job. Yes. Uh, with this documentary, one of the creepiest. Bigfoot documentaries I've ever watched in my entire life. One of the creepiest documentaries I've ever watched in my life. You showed me some, a clip. A clip, and, and it, it is creepy. It's it creepy. It gave you chills, did it not? It gave me complete. I mean, I was my hair was standing up back, um, standing up, and gave me just like these crazy chills because yeah. this was not. I mean, this definitely wasn't fictional Mm-mm. at all. But, but it, it, it's kind of like unexplained because this makes. If it's a hoax, it's a dead gum good one. Oh, if this is a hoax, this is probably the best hoax that's ever been done ever, honestly, probably. I agree. And so it just makes me wonder, like, something is so... It's plausible. Something is out there, something is there, but what is it? 
Will we? Can we find out? Can, will we ever find out? Will we ever find it? That's it. I, I agree. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the the documentary uh, is called Discovering Bigfoot. Uh, it is free on YouTube. Come out in 2017. Uh, it's free on YouTube. You have to watch it with the ads, and the ads pop up. They pop up worse than they do in Hulu. Right. And it's absolutely <laughs> infuriating. But, however, um, it's a fantastic documentary. And if you believe in Sasquatch, if you're a little skeptical about Sasquatch, I challenge you. Jump on YouTube, type in Discovering Bigfoot, clear two hours out of your day, and watch this documentary. And email me personally. You can email me personally. You can email the podcast. You can text me. You can call me. You can message me on any social media platform I have. And tell me after you watch this documentary and tell me if you were a skeptic before, if you're still a skeptic afterwards, or if you believe before and now, you know, whatever. Let me know your thoughts on it because I want to know because it is it is a fantastic documentary. Uh, one of the creepiest documentaries I've ever watched. And actually, Todd Standing actually appeared with Survivor Man, Les Stroud. The Survivor Man himself, Les Stroud. Yeah, when he did his Bigfoot documentary through his Survivor Man TV show. I, yeah. I've not seen Todd Standing. I will watch Todd Standing's by all means. But I got introduced to Todd Standing because of Les Stroud, Survivor Man, finding, you know, <clears throat> Survivor Man Bigfoot. And mm-hmm. I've seen that when it was on television. When it was coming out new, and that is, to me, uh, so far, as the best Bigfoot documentary I've ever watched. I agree, and good news. It's free. Oh. It's free on YouTube. Every single Survivor Man that Les Stroud has done is on his YouTube channel. That's incredible. And it's free. And actually, too, he does a podcast, and it's called Surviving Life with Les Stroud. And he has a three-part interview about Sasquatch, mm. about Bigfoot, about his thoughts on it, you know, what he experienced when he was in the woods. Because he said, you know, he said, I've been in the woods all my life. I know everything there is to know about the woods. Excellent podcast, excellent documentary. And he even said this about Todd Standing. He said, you know, this is a, when he met Todd Standing and Todd took him to the places where he has been doing his research, he said, you know, this is a guy that not only is one of the coolest guys ever. Uh, But when it comes to Sasquatch, when it comes to Bigfoot, this guy has put his reputation on the line. Because he said, you know, he said, you know, what I love about Les Stroud and what I want to tell everybody is he says, you know, do the research for yourself. Right. Go out in the woods yourself. Go, you know, try to have an encounter yourself. Go do everything on your own. Don't take my words for it. You know, go do it. So, you know, don't take mining turtles' words. Go out into the woods, you know, investigate. Go to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, see what you find. See what you find, folks. Yeah, go for it. But he said, you know, uh, he said Todd Standing, you know, if, if, if Todd Standing... If his videos and photos, and you can even look up Todd's, you can just type in Google Todd Standing Bigfoot photos. It'll pull them right up. You can, uh, of course, watch his documentary. But he said, you know, if Todd Standing really is, has really done a hoax, he's put his, his reputation, uh, he's put everything on the line. Everything. Basically. And invested and, and a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of, ex- I mean, if he's pulling a hoax, 
um, he's wasted a lot. Yeah, is what Les <laughs> is saying. So you know, that is Les Stroud is amazing. Those those photos are alone. They're something to think about. Yeah, because like if that's a hoax, then he had to spend a lot of money and making a very detailed, very lifelike looking costume or suit yep. for somebody to wear. Yeah, well, you know, I, I watched something one time. I can't remember what it was or yeah, said Yeah, sorry. Get, I'm thinking about that oh, photo. Oh, gosh, I'm telling you. The, um, those, those photographs he, he captured. Oh, man. It's just so, I don't know, because like, it's like there's something definitely there, and it's it's peering through the bush, through yeah, the woods. I'm going to, I'll have to, We may, you know, we may have to post that photo to Facebook. Oh, we need to at least post one um, of them, by all means. Yeah, because we'll, we'll, we'll post something to Facebook. But um, I watched something one time, uh, and they were, they went to Hollywood, and they said, I want to make a Bigfoot costume. I want it as lifelike as possible. Um... I want it to be, you know, the best money can buy. You know, as if you were going to make a hoax, you know, I want it to be believable. And I believe, I, I want to say it maybe may have been Finding Bigfoot, or it may have been, I don't think it was Survivor Man. It may have been something else I saw, but it was it was about fifty to $75,000 just for a Bigfoot costume with a lot of detail, a lot of time. Most bang for the buck. Right. And, like, most people are not going to, I don't think, are going to do that for a hoax or a prank. Not going to put in that much money. I mean, that's enough money to purchase a brand new vehicle. Right. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, why? I mean, what do you get out of running around in the woods in a Bigfoot costume pulling on a hoax? Exactly. So, I, I don't know. And I, I definitely think that whatever Todd Standing has encountered... Definitely was something real. Yeah, by all I, means. I, I, I tell you know, you. I mean, some people. I people might think I'm crazy, but what he, what he has encountered, has interacted with. Yeah, it's definitely. It has to be. It is a Bigfoot. You know, I think it's. Like I said it's very plausible. It all makes sense. And where he's at in the Canadian wilderness, it all makes sense. Only what only twenty percent of Canada actually has people living in it mm-hmm. is that correct well it's like uh, uh, it's like if you took like the the northern part of the united states mm-hmm. and just went straight up right and it dipped into like new york city and maybe like northern california and just kind of you know right. if you cut it off at the From east you, to west right yeah if you well you know if you cut it off at like the panhandle of texas went straight up yeah you know, you left out most of the southern states, and you went kind of along the top of the yeah. So right, basically, right. like northern United States to Canada, northwest United States to Canada, to Alaska. Yep, all the way to Alaska. There's like, it's like a bigger landmass than the continental United States. There's suppose there's eighty percent of people, eighty percent of the wilderness is not being used. So fifteen percent or fifteen thousand Sasquatch occupy it. Twenty percent of the landmass is being used by uh, people. People only twenty percent though. Yeah, by people. About fifteen million though. Fifteen million people, and those are just like you know random numbers, right? Maybe, but this shows you. It just goes to show you how something can be undiscovered. And see, that's why I like it. It makes perfect sense that it could be undiscovered, and it makes perfect sense how they could have food sources. 
Right. They can have living places to live and places to be never be seen. Yeah, and more, more importantly is they know how the wilderness works. Exactly. They know it. They know how to get around in it. They know how to stay hidden. They're experts in the wilderness because they're the only ones there. What makes me even more chills just thinking about this is that Todd Standing said that there's like a, a I guess a group, I guess you could call it, of Bigfoots, of Sasquatches. Yes, that in, in like, one of his research areas. And in his research areas in can in the mm-hmm. in the Canadian wilderness, is that I guess they really like to move around at night, which makes even more plausible sense and why they never would be seen because if they're constantly just moving around only at night in groups, not during the day. But there's one that watches. That's like a, it's like a that stands watch. A day watcher. A day watcher is what he refers to it as. Yeah, that stands watch during the day to watch over the group as a whole. So if there's one constantly standing watch and if they see or scent, think about it, they probably can see better than humans. They probably can smell better. They probably can track track better, right? Than a regular person can. So they could probably sense a hunter pretty easily. Oh yeah. yeah. And know that they're there. And then that, that one would alert the group, right? Right, yeah. And he even uh, Todd Standing, he even says that based on the behaviors in his research areas uh, that he was encountering, and he goes more into in depth in in the documentary, right, of Discovering course. Bigfoot. Um, I believe that's what it's called, Discovering Bigfoot. Yes, he goes more in depth to say that uh, you know they know who's armed and they know who's a threat. Exactly. And they pick and choose their battles. And he says, you know, he says he says constantly uh, throughout the documentary, he says, uh, you know, if they wanted me dead. I would be dead, and I would not be here. Right. So that's a scary thought. That's a very scary thought. And another piece of evidence, and right here, I want to mention this before we we move into the closing part of the podcast. Right. Is the Patterson Gimlin film? Yes, one of the biggest things that they've always researched, and I don't think they've ever debunked it really. Right. Uh, let's see. Shot in October of nineteen sixty seven. Shot from horseback by Robert Patterson and Bob Gimlin. The footage was shot in Northern California. Uh, let's see, at the famed Bluff Creek in the count in the Del Norte County of California. Hmm. Interesting. Um, a Bluff then, Creek is a tributary of the. Klamath River? Yep. About uh, 25 logging road miles northwest of Orleans, California. And you, like you said, Del Norte County. There you go. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I said, I believe I said Robert Patterson. I think I, think I said Robert so. Patterson. His name is Roger Patterson. Oh, Roger. Roger Patterson. Patterson oh, Robert <laughs> Bob Gimlin. I got you. So That's I all good. clear that up. But yeah. Uh, there have been many attempts to, I believe, debunk this footage. I think there has. It's only been. about fifty-three seconds long, uh, or runs for fifty-nine point five seconds at sixteen frames per second. Uh, it was shot on horseback, and it shows. Um, I believe her name is um, Patty. Yeah, yeah, they Patty. named her Patty. Yeah, they named they her Patty. A, I think they believe it's a female, actually, somehow. They do, because they believe that on the image, which we have the image here right. in front of us. A famous image, uh, you know. Th- uh, because there was an episode of uh, Finding Bigfoot where they went with um, 
uh, yeah, Bob Gimlin. They went back with Gimlin to the to Bluff Creek, right. where it happened. And uh, in the footage, uh, Sasquatch researchers have uh, noticed that it does look like this Sasquatch has breasts. Yes. Um, so they believe it is a female. Right. And so that's why they named her Patty. You know what's um, even more interesting too is that this is at the film site, so where they shot, where this footage was shot, is roughly 38 miles, just 38 miles, which is a good distance. Yeah. But just 38 miles south of Oregon, so they're pretty close mm-hmm. to Oregon. Yeah. They're in a decent, just decent drive from Oregon. That's how That's close right. they are. And of course, Oregon borders Canada. So it all makes sense that, you know. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Has most of the sightings you think probably taken place in Canada or along the northwest? Border? Yeah, it's mostly uh, in the northwest United States, in northern California, up the Pacific coast, into Canada, British Columbia, Alberta, all that stuff. That's usually where most of your Sasquatch sightings happen. Right, I do believe. Um, but this film is you know one of the biggest pieces and one of the biggest things debated about in like Sasquatch and Bigfoot for decades now ever since well 1967 that's about almost 50 years now yep you know so half a century give or take yeah give or take almost half a century yeah think about it you know that's been this has been debated about and talked about for all this time yeah and I don't believe that uh, anybody has debunked it yet I don't think so either so very interesting piece of film though we will post a link um, to our Facebook page. Yes. That's Actually, you want to go ahead that. and pull up a clip? I can. Of yeah, Patterson go ahead. Film? Yeah. Might as well. Might as well. I can do that real uh, quick. I just go ahead and watch it um, through there. Very interesting uh, piece of film. And I mean, you got to think about it. The camera that they use. It's old. Ca- you know, it's old. Camera. It's an old school camera. It is. And you know, it was actual film. You know, physical film. Uh, Bluff Creek, California. Bluff Creek, California. So give me just a few seconds to find it here. Very good. But I will find it here momentarily. I believe I have found it. All right, uh, all right, all right, all right. But I remember, you know, this, uh, man, this, this is, you know, this is still big, really, because, I mean, yeah, I tell you what, we'll, we will watch this clip. Uh, it is from, it's from Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is talking about the Patterson-Gimlin film. We'll go into detail here. Yes. And uh, just sit back and enjoy, and we hope you enjoy it. When you first saw her. Just across the creek, about like from here across the creek. It's when I first saw her, she was standing upright. I thought, you know, this is this is unreal. The way it was moving, the massive muscle. Roger had the camera up to his eyes, and he stumbled and fell. Where you can see the the shakiness part. I rode across the creek. I got off the horse and took my rifle out of the scabbard in case I had to make a shot. 
she made that turn to look. Kept right on walking. She went on up out of sight up that canyon. All this time I'm thinking, holy mackerels, these things do exist. Yeah, they do. Man, that even that gives me chills. Really, it's it is it is quite interesting. I think I first got introduced to the rock the uh, the uh, this you know, the Patterson film through Monster Quest. Yeah, because uh, you know Monster Quest. My dad was one that introduced me into like wanting just to watch documentaries and things about Bigfoot, about cryptids, about uh, mainly Bigfoot, but just you know Monster Quest would cover. A lot of Bigfoot Sasquatch, but also a lot of different other cryptids, cryptid creatures and other things. But I think Monster Quest, of course, also did their take in researching the, the, the Patterson film here, uh, Patterson and Gimlin Bigfoot footage. And, man, is this just, you know, this just, again, something was there. This is plausible. Something is out there. Yeah. Well, I want to jump into our last... Uh, segment here on Sasquatch before uh, we we close the podcast up. This is uh, from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee has only had 102 reported sightings that have been reported to the BFRO. And Lawrence County, where our home is, has two of those 102. The most recent one uh, uh, being reported in Tennessee to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization was April 20th, 2020 in Cumberland County, Tennessee. Holy cow. Uh, let's see Tw- here. Last year. April last year. 2020. Yeah. And I will read these, uh, this person uh, who uh, observed it. The nearest town is Crab Orchard and the nearest row was Owl Roost Road. Said, while I was walking in a field located at the base of Black Mountain, Crab Orchard, Tennessee, I had my wife and two daughters. As I walked, I could see apprehensions from my girls and could feel myself feeling that this that this is from their unusual fear of bears. I continued the walk as we made our way around the end of the field. I looked up to notice a large black creature jump into the wood line. I looked back at my wife and the words I spoke were... That was big. I kept wanting to say it was a wild boar or maybe even a bear. That would be fine, but it walked on two legs and had a backside of a human or ape and also moved in a bipedal uh, fashion. Holy cow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff, man. I'm telling you. Uh, Now, this one here. Now, this one is one of the sightings uh, in Lawrence County. The year was 19... 55. 1955, okay. And I will... Would you like for me to read this? Go ahead, my friend. Right. Go ahead. Uh, so, it was about 53 years ago in the little town of Etheridge, Tennessee. The nearest town uh, to Etheridge is Lawrenceburg. And it says here the nearest road that this witness reported was Highway 43. And this is what this witness observed on one of the one first Sasquatch sightings. Uh, in La- well, I've only two Sasquatch sightings uh, in Lawrence County. Mm-hmm. It says, and I quote, Hello, all. I am a 56-year-old woman that has never gave a second thought to the life of what people 
call a Bigfoot. I knew him as Whistling Paddy as a child, and that is what my grandparents and all the neighbors called him. Our neighbors were far and few between, but every one of them knew the Whistling Paddy. That is what they called him. I myself can remember his screaming and whistling sounds as a child. We lived in the deep woods in Etheridge, Tennessee. No electricity or no indoor plumbing. He was always around. This is giving me chills we, already. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We lived deep in the woods in Etheridge, Tennessee. No electricity or indoor plumbing. He was always around. Oh, here we go. Uh, we were used to his sounds, and he came for scraps at, the, at night. He did not eat any meat or peelings from potatoes or... Or he only ate peelings from potatoes or the vegetables. He or she was white with red eyes, like as I know some folks are called albino. Albino, I guess. My grandparents were not learned people. They could not read or write. They had no sign with an X, or they had to sign with an X. But they knew he was real, and they did not fear him, and saw him or her lots of times, and thought it was okay. They called it him, so I guess it was a male. My aunt, who lived about a mile away opened her back door one night to throw out dishwater and threw it on Patty because he was standing at the back door. It did not scare her because she was used to him. Although she had nine children, she went and got some potatoes and gave him for gave him some food and said she said he was hungry. This Patty was seven to eight feet tall and did not ever hurt anyone. I would like to know if anyone else has ever had one called a whistling Patty because that was what he was called when I was a small child growing up in those woods. We did not fear him because he came inside. We had to come inside right before dark because Mama would say Patty is out there and we can't trust him. We don't know who he is. If I... If anyone else knew of a Bigfoot that was called by the name of Whistling Patty, I would like to know. My grandparents were Indian and knew many things, but were not smart when it came to the real world. They knew how to get by with ten children and live a good life in the woods, and how to spider webs packed into a wound would stop bleeding. And they knew, as I did, Patty was real. That is a incredible just story like this this give me chills right now honestly it's blowing <laughs> my mind because one she said he would come like opening your back door and right there it is mm-hmm. and she said he was he this, this patty whistle was white with like red eyes yeah that's interesting color scheme for around here for around that area if you think about yeah it, it, around it around here in Lawrence County, you know, yeah. that's an interesting color scheme. Because you think something like that would stick out pretty well, well, because you know, a white deer sticks out pretty, pretty pro- like prominent if you see one. I've seen a white deer. Yeah. And it, the other deer can be pretty much blended in into like tall grass, right? But it sticks out. That's that's kind of just wow. It's it's really interesting. And to say the least, that's interesting because that's, that is that gives me chills. That is, they said. She I mean, she was saying. So this is this is like an excerpt from 1955. Right. Is when this has happened. Right. And the report was submitted on Tuesday, August 19th of 2008. Okay, so they submitted the report. Right. In 2008. Yeah, and actually, um, they did a follow-up investigation. So someone for the BFRO went and talked to the witness who had submitted the report. Mm-hmm. Would you like for me to read that as well? Go ahead. All right. 
Uh, it said, I visited with, a wit with the witness at length on November 19th and found her to be very charming, down-to-earth, and sensible woman whose family experienced some amazing interactions over a number of years with a white-furred Bigfoot that they named, nicknamed Whistling Patty. The witness explained that while growing up, her family lived in a very rural area of Lawrence County near Etheridge, Tennessee. Her grandparents had no running water, no electricity, no indoor plumbing, and the area was remote enough that there was no there, there were a number of bootleggers living in the hills. The witness also explained that while she never saw the creature herself, she remembered hearing its whistle. She excuse me, also heard various relatives and other locals people speak about it see, about seeing it. Additionally, she had two uncles who were in the woods one evening in a treehouse. They had built one patty, came up under their tree. She related it was very, it was a very frightening experience for them. Though they were not harmed in any way, her family routinely set out food for the animal using potato scraps. Tracks were often found in, the, in their yard after a rain. As she explained, there were a lot of grass in the yards in the day and the time due to chickens, goats, etc. running loose. And it was quite common to see numerous immense human-like footprints in the bare dirt in their yard. Her grandfather had a particularly small foot, and he always marveled at how easily his entire foot with a shoe or boot on fit completely inside the track. The witness still lives in the same county in Tennessee, and about a year ago, she was out on her patio grilling after dark when she heard an unusually loud, long, mournful call. The witness raises dogs, and she stated that every one of her dogs started howling when they heard the sound. Becoming frightened, she asked her husband to come out on the patio with her while she finished grilling. And to continue... He stayed for a while, but when nothing further was heard, he went back in. It was not long after that the witness heard that familiar whistling sound that she had heard so often as a child, and she immediately knew what had been calling. She recounted her experience to her two. She recounted her experience to her two children, and not long afterward, her ten-year-old son got up during the night to get a drink of water and heard the same moaning howl. He was very frightened and immediately came running into his parents' bedroom and climbed into bed with them. As a final note, the witness told me that she was prompted to file her report after reading about Tom Biscardi hoax on the internet. She was very angered that someone would make a mockery out of an animal that she grew up knowing about and accepting the same way that we accept the presence of deer squirrels and other local wildlife hmm man interesting that is very interesting i wonder if that person's still around i don't know i would love to talk to her yeah that's for sure i, would if too. I knew what her name was and um I'll jump into this too, really quick, uh, Turtle, and you can add on to this. All right. There's another, the other sighting um, that occurred in Lawrence County was around Mount Zion Road, Mount Zion Cemetery, Mount Zion Church, uh, down there when the uh, the ladies of the night heard an unholy howl, as they describe it. And of course, they thought it was something else, but apparently, when they talked to a few local people, the local people heard the same thing that they heard at the same time frame. So, very, very interesting, and there is a YouTube video. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, there with is. With this supposedly recorded uh, vocalization. And let's see. We will get it up right now, and we're going to go ahead and start playing it. So, um, just get ready. All right. May 31st, 2008, Ladies and Night's crew visits the Mount Zion Cemetery in Appleton, dear Appleton, Tennessee. And of course, uh, a lot of strange activity has been reported there. And uh, here's the video, so we'll listen in. All right. No. Well, 
Well, look, it's kind of depressing. It's kind of... Oh, nice. Something's cold. Okay, so if you did not hear that, um, there is going to be a lady, and you're going to hear a brief laugh, and after that laugh, you're going to almost hear a howling noise. So get ready, because here it comes again. No. Well, look, it's kind of depressing. Oh, nice. Something cold. Well, Turtle, what'd you think? Well, I, I hope our listeners could hear that. Yeah. It's a little hard to hear it in our ears. Right. Um, But you could definitely, if you're paying attention, you can hear it. And that's just pretty... Again, just chills and, and a creep factor is uh, right completely entirely there. Something was there. Something was making that noise. And, you know, growing up, my dad and some other, like, some cousins and things have told me that were my dad's age range anyways about the pat, the legend of the patty whistle. Really? That if you heard, you know, heard whistling at night, that's what it was. That's what it was. A patty whistle. You know, mm -hmm. which is like a, a nickname... I wonder if that whole the whole term patty whistle might have derived from this story maybe of this wit of this, this woman growing up. You uh, know what? It could be. But that's what I've always heard, like growing up, uh that there was like this creep this Bigfoot like creature called a patty whistle. And that if you I don't know about this necessarily I I, I was told like if you if you heard a daytime bird at night I, yeah, I've heard that as well. But I guess if you just heard heard a whistle, or like a sound, like something whistling, that's what it was. And I don't know, like this, something's out there definitely. Something is something's definitely out there. It's plausible, anyways. You know. I agree. I I truly truly agree. Well, uh, Sasquatch, uh, Gigantopithecus, Bigfoot, Yeti, Yowie, Orang Pendek, uh, it's all very very intriguing it is uh, to say the least and I think what why not without further ado we give the last words to the survivor man himself oh yes Les Stroud from the surviving life podcast Bigfoot interview part one listen in folks cause here we go it's hard to answer any question about Bigfoot quickly, concisely, and definitively. And when somebody does, they're full of crap. They don't know what they're talking about. This is the big tricky question to answer. Why don't we have a body? You know, there's quite a few people that would simply say, well, we have had bodies. How come they never shot? They have been shot. Oh, no one ever hits them with a car. They have been hit by cars. There are lots of stories of having bodies, them getting shot, them. Uh, and uh, or getting hit by cars. So the general public doesn't know that. There's no body on display. Well, but historically speaking, there's actually been quite a few. It's hard to answer the question, how come they've never had a body? Well, there is no never about this. They've been there. So 
Then you get down the, the rabbit hole of, is there a cover-up? Boom, off on a new a new road there that, that keeps going. That's the thing about Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the phenomenon. It's a slippery slope down a rabbit hole that shoots off into 50 rabbit holes. Well, the infighting in the Bigfoot community is based on a lot of egos, is based on the fact that a lot of people want to be the person who definitively proves the existence of Bigfoot. Other people feel they're spiritually entwined with Sasquatch and they have a message for the humanity and they want to be the bringers of that message and for their forest friends. And others, you know, want to hunt and, and kill it and bag a body and get it stuffed and put it in the Smithsonian. The infighting in the Bigfoot community is pathetic. There's just so many egos involved. And if someone mentions telepathy, all the eight people go, no, no, don't say that. Scientists will disrespect it. If someone mentions it's just a big ape, oh, you guys are Luddites, you don't know what you're talking about. These things can, they can disappear. And everything in between, and then you can throw aliens into the mix. Uh, so there's, the, they, everybody, wants their, everybody wants their version to be the definitive version. And what's the truth? I'll tell you what the truth is. None of us have a freaking clue what they are. We don't know. We don't know what they are, what they do, why they are. And that's what's just kind of freaking everybody out because everybody wants to lay claim. I'll never say, this is what they do, man. This is what they are. Until one's standing right here and we're interviewing and Jimmy Fallon has them on the show, we're not going to know. There you go. Wow. The last words from Les Straub. The Survivor Man himself. An incredible podcast that is an incredible documentary he has, all free, like you said, on YouTube. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, like you said, we don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody I mean, really, truly knows. Right. And I love what he mentioned about the egos. Yes. Because that does happen. Oh, yes. But like he said, Bigfoot. Sasquatch, Gigantopithecus, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. It's a slippery slope down a rabbit hole that shoots off into 50 other different rabbit holes. Exactly. And until there's a Sasquatch on uh, Jimmy Fallon, yeah. we're, we're never going to know. Exactly. We well, will never know. <laughs> ever. Well, I hope. We're going to talk about Bigfoot again, of course, multiple times on this podcast, along with other cryptid creatures and mysteries, of course. And I I hope that we can find out some more information, and I hope that we ourselves can investigate, interview, and survey certain areas and people and things and see what we can personally find and what we can personally experience. That would be absolutely amazing. I am down for that. I'm, I'm, I'm about it. Heck yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this very fun-filled, fact-filled, factor-fiction-filled episode of the Talk Podcast. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope maybe we can convince you to think at least it's plausible. That's it. And I challenge you, if you're a skeptic, Go on YouTube. Go on YouTube. Watch the Discovering Bigfoot documentary coming out came out in 2017 by Todd Standing. Look up photos and videos by Todd Standing. 
Watch the Survivor Man Bigfoot Edition from Les Straub. Listen to his podcast. Research for... Listen, we cannot stress this enough, and I know Turtle feels the same way, and I'll let him tell it here in just a second. Do your own research. Exactly, folks. Do your own research. Check the facts. Investigate on your own. Educate yourselves, everybody. I encourage it. Please do it. Until next time. Signing off from the Outer Rim Studios in an undisclosed location. But don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and TuneIn Radio. Man, that was a doozy. Whew. You can email us at thetalkpodcast7 at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And ladies and gentlemen, from the Outer Rim Studios in an undisclosed location, I'm Ben. I'm the Turtle. And we will see you next time on the Talk Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you. Have a <clears throat> have a great day, everybody. Well, it's the mailman watching me. And I don't feel safe anymore. Oh, what a mess. I wonder who's watching me now.